With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I see trouble coming. Left jab, right hook. Yeah, he's ready to deliver the next body blow. Guest hosting for Ron Arquette today. Greg Hughes. All right. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is exciting, Greg. We've only got it's two, Wednesday. We we've only got uh, three more days. I say that we go full throttle, unfiltered. Uh, let's get let's, rid of the guardrail. Absolutely. Let's go for it. Okay, the guinea pigs are running now, folks. Look, I we just started the show. I was getting we're getting our show notes together. And then on this NASA-like board, I mean, I don't know why it is, but I got these, uh, I got these pointed the right, I get the dials. I'm not sure where they are, go sometimes, but we're good. We're good. You I can hear me, ready. right? Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to a Wednesday on your drive time home. It's uh, Citizen Greg Hughes and the great Chris Herod filling in for Rod Arquette, who is uh, on vacation, a well-deserved vacation, and... Okay, you know I'm in trouble. You know, Chris, I'm in trouble when E Ray's in here. Yeah, like, he's we, like oh, just that like, look. Sometimes, the principal comes you know? into the classroom and we're busted. We've yeah. been we did something wrong. I did something <laughs> wrong. But man, that's what you get when hey when we've been oh, saying they, when the cat's away, the mice you, play. When you put me in front of this board, you get you what, get you, what you, you pay for. Get, right? Is what I've always said, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very good, very accurate. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've got, as per usual, we work very hard on this show every single day. We want to get you the best guests. We want to get the best issues. We're going to talk about lots of things happening. A lot of the good things happening. We've got, look, you got Disney. It's going to sue Governor DeSantis. <gasps> Ooh, you know, I, you know, Disney you has me. to figure out when they're in a hole, they got to quit digging. Yep. Okay. But this time, you know, because you got a presidential election coming, you got jokers like Chris Christie and others that are misrepresenting. The, the efforts of Governor DeSantis in Florida and the the Florida legislature. But we'll get into that. We're going to talk about that. We'll dive into what, what that lawsuit is. and well, I, really I think about. it's a little elitist because I think that's a common thing that you like to talk about. I, I It sure is. It sure is. The establishment, the elitist, they love their self-governing. We don't live in a county. We don't have a county or city or township. Or Nobody to report to. to. Yeah. We just rule ourselves. Why wouldn't anyone? No one else gets to do it, but they do. So why would you change it? Anyway, we're going to talk about that. We've got um, we've got Clark Opposion that's going to come on in this hour. Uh, he is our gun guru. Uh, he, he knows uh, the Second Amendment and all of the rights that we, that the Lord gave us that our Constitution protects. Uh, and fights he fights for this every single year. When I was a lawmaker, when you were, we worked with Clark Opposion all yep. the time. It's the funniest thing when the state of Washington uh, passes a bill that bans 
air quote, assault weapons. Okay, and that's just whatever. Will you please call define it. that for they me? What's, what's, what's yeah. an assault? They weapon? start. They start in the bill picking out what they don't like, AR-15s or whatever. But it is it is an undefinable term, and then mm. they have to put something to it. But you know, every time the left does something like this, the common sense Americans they just go to the gun stores and clean them out before the yep. thing comes law. In so, fact. I'm trying to get a hold of Clark. I've been trying for a couple of days. I just keep forgetting because I, I bought a gun uh, right after, uh, you know, the, the terrible tragedy of Sandy Hook. But I knew that Obama was going to take away a gun. And I think it's about time to sell it. I haven't used it. And so I would like a, a gun that I think I could use a little bit more. Yeah. Something more practical. Mm-hmm. Something that, well, what's practical about a gun? But yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and no better place in a state like ours with open carry. We don't have to even worry about concealed carry anymore if you don't want to uh look we uh so we're gonna have him on the show it's actually coming up here after the, in the next segment and we're gonna ask him about that washington state law what what's its impact and then i just always want to know how does anyone think they're going to enforce a law like that like what's going to happen i mean you got all these people we're, what, we're, what bill do you sign that magically makes these guns that you hate so much just disappear well what and and unfortunately what happens is you take somebody that uh, never wanted to break the law, uh, and they're the ones that those type of laws catch. They catch him on a technicality, and then they have a record, but they weren't going to commit a crime in the first place. No, they weren't. And, yeah, so we will we will listen to Clark. Clark, this is his every day. He knows this issue so well. We're going to hear so that you know um, what the reality is versus the pa- political pageantry you see coming out of Washington State right now. We'll get to the truth. Uh Chris, you you uncovered. I've never seen this before. I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm just going to tease this topic. You do. I'm not going to even uh, tell you. What it's I, I about. was dumbfounded to when me, I saw this. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Herod has uncovered, and maybe this is common knowledge to other people, but I have never seen this data related to the COVID nineteen vaccine and uh, how and why it was uh, distributed out and made available to the public. There is a document that he has presented to me that I think is stunning. So you're going to want to hang on to this program uh, to hear what Chris has to say because this is uh, I, again I haven't heard it before and we're yeah you know, this isn't new, we're this is breaking edge. news right yeah. I mean in terms of vaccines this is a but, well but covered I am, topic I am this worried a little bit about this because you know people keep saying why Tucker uh, Car- Carlson got fired is some thought he was too strong on COVID and that uh, you know oh, the pharmaceuticals that reminds me get this so we talked about that and uh, Ro- uh, Robert Kennedy RFK Jr running for president on the Democrat side against Biden. I, we read his tweet. I don't have it here anymore, but we read his tweet where he said he went on April 19th. He went after the big, big pharma. He attacked them for what they did. And then you see him getting the boot. Okay. Yeah. He, got, he got fired and he suggested that they were, they were related. Um, and it might absolutely be related to the fact he pushes back on the establishment the way he does. So I figure we only have two more days after today. But so if I get fired, this. Get this. no big deal. A Facebook page. That I know, uh, a Facebook group page posted an image of RFK's tweet. <laughs> they got they got shut down. Oh, they got deep de-banned or yeah, they, de- they they shut de-listed? it down. They said they sent a, a, a t- said this is a, this is a fake content news. you're not allowed to post, oh. and they, they're they're in the process of appealing it. But all it is is RFK Junior's tweet. So what's happening is if Facebook is just taking anything that RFK or I keep calling it, Robert Kennedy Junior is saying. And as a candidate for, yeah, he's announced his candidacy. So they're censoring a presidential candidate. Yeah, again. that's it. That is campaign elections. That's actually campaign elections work on behalf for and on behalf of of Joe Biden. Yeah, and they're not a platform. If you're going to do that, you're not a platform, a social media a platform. Neutral, you're a publisher. Yeah, yeah. you're taking things off. 
that uh, an opponent of uh, of Joe Biden is putting out there on your on your uh, your social uh, inter- inter- what Facebook yeah. social media page. Anyway, that's that. so to that point. There's people that are trying so to suppress that So if the electricity goes off, our broadcast channel uh, yeah, I know. stops, so we, then you, you know, maybe know dark, the subject. You'll know why. But look, to that point, and we haven't even – I haven't even mentioned what Chris has brought uh, brought to the station tonight today that we're going to talk about. You're going to want to listen to this because I, I – if you've heard it before, I wouldn't be surprised because it's this audience. But I've never seen it, and uh, we've seen a lot. We've gone over a lot on that issue. So we have that. Um, we're going to talk <laughs> BlackRock. There's, you know, in the aftermath of the Tucker Carlson uh, Fox News separation that happened on Monday morning, here we sit on Wednesday, and the speculations are running wild. There's a lot of different reasons. One we just mentioned about him taking on Big Pharma and questioning uh, those that brought the vaccine out and what's what's motivating advertised stations and their advertisers. Uh, and there's another, another possibility for why Tucker could be gone. That's right. And so... Another one that's emerged is the role of BlackRock. We know BlackRock. They're the ones that want uh, ESG. They're the ones that are trying to compel behavior uh, for corporations as they would like it to happen. Which is the true definition of fascism. It is. And and they have had a more prominent role. We're going to get into it later in the program. How has BlackRock become more prominent in Fox News, uh, Fox News Corp, or Fox Corp generally and Fox News specifically and how did that? How could that have impacted Tucker Carlson? There's actually some dots here, folks. We'll connect uh, later again later in the program. Also, uh, as we see some of the less, uh, I mean, fake news is fake news. But when you get the Vanity Fair, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 actually it's, it's to interesting a new though when the anything the left says level. that might have a hint of of truism <laughs> though, if they get it right, we got to give them credit. So though, there, so. so there is a couple Vanity Fair. Uh, articles that are out that I think are a riot, and they look really, really close to a, a, a series on uh, HBO that I think the series is loosely based on the you know the Murdoch family. <laughs> and it is it's a hoot. So I'm going to get into some of those Vanity Fair articles too because I think that's a that there's some funny, I think funny narratives that Vanity Fair is pushing out there about what happened with Tucker and I don't know. I I think they might have just been watching that show too much, and then they uh, they thought it was actually real, and they reported on it. So anyway, we'll get there. Um, we have some other issues we're going to talk about. Look, we have so much going on, but I want you to hang on because we're going to go to the break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Clark Capogian. He is uh, with the Utah Shooting Sports Council. He's actually a host here on KRNRS yeah, on, on Saturdays. Saturdays I Utah, to Gun, uh, Utah Gun Radio. He's the host on that on Saturday mornings at 3 p.m. So you know him. You love them? We're going to talk to Clark when we get back. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Joining us on the program, we have our our favorite Utah Shooting Sports Council and host of Utah Gun Radio, our very own, Utah's very own, Clark Opposian. Mr. Opposian, welcome to the Citizen Hughes and Chris Herod show, uh, filling in for Rod. How you doing? It's fantastic to be on the Greg and Chris Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. And uh, as many times as I can, I'm going to plug Gun Radio Utah because I promised my co-host I would do that. Gun Radio Utah Saturdays. I I assumed it was on Saturday mornings and I was saying I was just I was throwing out fake news, Clark, saying Saturday mornings. And then I looked down. It's 3 p.m. The show starts. I listened to it. And Chris asked me the break. He's like, so how is Saturday morning 3 p.m.? I said, wait, don't judge your Friday nights. You don't know how long those Fridays last. 3 p.m. can be a morning (laughs) for a lot of people, right? 
So yeah, that's right. You can also podcast, you know, podcast, but then you can't call in. So anyway. that's right. Actually, I love the podcast too. Right. Actually, what, this show. What are your concerns uh, with uh, what the state of Washington <laughs> is doing? Brass taxes. Here we go. So we're reading that they finally signed this, okay, first assault weapon, and that's air quotes. I mean, you're going to have to sort out what that even means for our listeners. But, you know, I noticed, we noticed on the buildup for the big day when they signed it in Washington State, it, there was like a run on guns. You'd have thought it was uh, 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 one of these uh, Silicon banks they were running into and taking their deposits <laughs> out of. Everybody's going into the gun stores, getting their, their guns quick as they could, common sense people. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, Clark, what does that the new state? What does the legislation in Washington State do with this new assault weapons ban, as they call it? Yeah, and, and like you said, it's not just a the. Uh, and I'm using air quotes too. Please forgive me for using this stupid term, assault weapon. But anyway, it's uh, it's their demonizing term. I mean, they also opened up uh, in another bill at the same time frivolous lawsuits. And, you know, in direct uh, violation of the PLCAA, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, uh, they've instituted waiting periods, they've instituted mandatory training, and, of course, the dreaded assault weapons ban, which means that if, you, uh, if you're a gun dealer, you cannot sell, you cannot import, you cannot manufacture. It, it, in fact, you cannot, um, you can't transfer these guns, even if you're not a gun dealer, you just have them. If you already have them, you're grandfathered in for now. And but it's not just what we would deem like, how do you define assault weapon? Well, they it's morphed. It's not just your standard AR-15, your AK-47. It is this includes shotguns. This includes pistols. If they have some demonizing features like 60 different firearms. But then it says any variation of AR-15s and AK-47s. They actually go on to say M-16s and M-4s, which are automatically yeah. machine guns and yeah. you have to you go through the feds to get those um it, and so they're going to be you know yeah obviously nra nssf national shooting sports foundation have already filed lawsuits in addition to others and but, so i gotta ask you i mean it, it was so great to be able to work with with you gentlemen you lawmakers and can you imagine me working up in Washington oh, State oh, yeah. and having to to deal? Can you imagine that? We wouldn't. Uh, you know, we do. We just be, we just become we just start a moving truck business so that every common sense person in that poor state would just move out of state and into Utah or somewhere where you well, know their funny. rights are. Protected. My folks live there. My folks. My folks lived in a very liberal area, Bainbridge, yeah. and uh, up there. And I remember, but my, my my folks weren't liberal. They so I'm driving. In fact, I had borrowed mom's car one time, and I'm I had to stop for a deer really quickly, and something hit my foot. And what was it? It was mom's gun or car gun. You know, <laughs> that, that it hit my foot, slid under the Posian family. That doesn't surprise me about the Posian family. I would expect that. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what? One of my questions, so, though, though, uh, in in general, though, is when. Whenever there is a tragedy, they just double down. And especially, I noticed it in uh, Tennessee where, you know, they seem to, to, to go double time because they didn't want any information to come out about the shooter. I mean, there's a manifesto, a transgender individual that, that was probably on quite a few uh, medications uh, that, that affect uh, your emotions. But then, you you know, and then it doubled down on the three uh, you know, legislators that were kicked out for unruly behavior. I mean, is that a pattern that we expect to see whenever there's, it points to, to something else? They, they even drive harder. Have you, have you seen that in your career? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's not, you know, don't address the issue because the more you address the issue, the more the truth is going to come out. That's yeah. right. So while they're, you know, while they're doing this, they want you to look over here. Don't don't look at don't look at the issue. Look over here and um, and and we'll tell you what the problem is. You know, when in reality, the, the these modern sporting rifles, as I like to call them, sport utility rifles yeah. it, are the most flat-out popular firearm that has ever been in the United States, that has ever been. It, you, we used to think it was the, the twenty two rifle. No, it's these. In fact, of a poll of gun owners, 20% of them owned an AR uh, of some, at, or, or some other, um, an AR or an AK, let alone all the other semi-automatics that are covered in this. And what does Heller say in you know, the United States Supreme Court uh, be, uh, um, in the Heller decision, it says you can't ban firearms that are in common use. I got to tell you, of all the guns that have been in common use, the ARs and the AKs are the most common of common use firearms. It's, it's a so, really good point. Uh, do they need to be dragged, kicking and screaming into compliance? I think so. So we're speaking with Clark Opposian uh, with the Utah Sporting uh, Shooting Sports Council, also host of Utah Gun Radio. So my question is, uh, Clark, how does a state even enforce such a broad, broad-reaching uh, bill like this? How how does the government enforce what it is they that that they with political pageantry put out there that they now magically have banned them all? How does how does how does the enforcement part work? Well, that's a good question because you know primarily they're going to be going after. FFL, fire, uh, federal firearm license gun dealers, which it's still federally legal to sell them, but in the state, you know, they still have state laws. So I would imagine they would um, have, have civil crime, but there is some criminal penalties for these as well. And um, you know, they'll 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 start they'll start small. They'll probably sue one of them and then sue another one until everybody falls in line because they'll sue them until they sue them right out of business. And they they did. Uh, along with this law, very conveniently pass another law that enables uh, individuals and groups to sue uh, gun dealers, gun manufacturers, um, and so on and so forth under under things that would be absolutely in violation of the protection protection of lawful commerce and arms act. So you know, I mean, and all this is happening, and they keep citing that you know Americans want more gun control. Well, then how is it that? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We have surpassed half of the states. We're at 27 states that have permitless carry right now. And that's happened, most of that's happened in the last four years. 
And it also doesn't address that two-thirds of the landmass of the United States is permitless carry. It's not going the other way. It's going towards more freedom, more reliance on individual liberties, and not, not the other way. So, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I, you know, as far as as far as uh, compliance, I, I'm I would imagine there's going to be a a hold or a moratorium <laughs> or, or an injunction against yeah. enforcement uh, pretty soon from a judge. Clark, as always, thank you, sir, for being uh, but, a I mean, they're purveyor doing it of truth. To do nothing more than yeah, it's it's feel good. It's and you know what? If they did do any, what they said they do, it'd be a pretty draconian any, uh, form of government. So, uh, look, we got to go to a break. Thank you so much for joining us on the program, and we'll we're going to keep tracking issues like this and, and states that do things like this because I think it's important for you to kind of interpret it and translate it all for us. So, thanks again for joining us on the program. Thank you. Okay, folks, when we come back, we got more issues i think we'll jump into the what the disney thing well we got it yeah, we got, we got a stack disney. of stuff all you need to know is you want to hang on after the break because we've got a great show lined up for you you're listening to talk radio 105.9 knrs gotta like these guys they know how to set up a segment they sure do I can think of a zillion songs from Disney I might like better than this one. This one. That's why we chose it. <laughs> E-Ray just has a Vulcan mind meld into what slays me. Oh, this is Disney. It's just this. Yeah, if there wasn't government retaliation from Florida, after you hear this song, there ought to be. I, that's what I say. Um, so, Chris. We're looking through the news. Disney's in the news again. Boy, there. Yeah, I. You know, I. These are. This is one of the things I don't understand, Craig. Is I don't know about you, but when I get caught with the uh, my hand in the cookie jar, uh, I usually stop or I apologize. Um, you've thinned down. <laughs> yeah. You've thinned down a little. You, you know, I, I found out my family actually hides cookies and desserts because I have a tendency to wake up in the middle of the night. But you, sometimes I. I gotta. You almost have to admire the gall that certain organizations or certain individuals have. So Disney's again in the news, but they're escalating. They're they're not saying thank you for fifty years of uh, you know letting us control uh, tax policy, letting us control how do, how do they ta- how do they control it. What do you mean? Well, they they had a self autonomous zone. I would love to have a self autonomous zone. I I would get rid of my school taxes, my state taxes, my property taxes, all those type of taxes if. If no, we all live in a county. We all live in a city. In Orlando, they must have a county that, no, they, that they're inside of. No, they are actually a separate entity that I would have thought that my reading of the Constitution would be unconstitutional, that a private business has that type of so they, competitive advantage. So I mean, that's, isn't that a competitive That Reedy Creek Special Service District, they just, they're, the, they're the receiving end of that. So they, they inspect their own places. They... They they do all wow. of that stuff. They sit, wow. they you know zoning laws. They get to design that little section as if it was a separate entity. So, and, 
So what? So self governance. So they still have it now, or they're mad they don't. Well, you know, uh, you know, after they kind of made a big stink about, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't governor. Don't say gay. Yeah, don't say gay, Bill. Governor DeSantis. Uh, you know, he said, "Well, if you're going to be that way, we're going to push back." And he and he probably, I'll bet you, when he entered it, he didn't know that Disney had a special district until they started bugging him so much or start, started started lying. I mean, he's, he's he's trying to clean up these schools K through three. You're not going to sexualize these kids. Kindergarten to third grade, we're going to ban any discussion of sexual of anything in a sexual nature um, in our schools. Disney, which is known for children, family, everything else launches against that bill and i yeah i think you're right i think he's going i think the self-governance uh exclusion that they have and nobody else has in florida and nobody i thought you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that gets such a sweetheart deal in the country as far as corporations go uh they're, they're looking at that going wait a minute first off you shouldn't have it second you're getting you are trying to interrupt the, our state our public policy yeah, when but, you're in but they're spot. doubling down they're saying that you're picking on us now because we exercised our free, you know, our free speech rights, and you're specifically doing this. You're discriminating against this. You're using government, and and unfortunately, you know, some Republicans have echoed this, like you, you know, your friend Chris Christie, Chris Christie and Asa Hutchings and a few others that are going after DeSantis, saying, but you know, one of the things I like about Governor DeSantis is he scared. Is he run away? Because I imagine. When Disney's ever had problems like this in the past, what did they do? They kind of kind of pushed back, and they, the governor kind of wilted. Well, yes. has has Governor DeSantis uh, wilted? No. Yeah. You heard it in his speech, and I would argue that that was one of his best applause lines on Saturday at the GOP the uh, commission. commission. Yeah, uh, he did not say he did not run away from it. In fact, it's it was one of the hallmark issues he talked about. This Disney self governance is not appropriate. No, it's just not. It, no one else is I mean, getting it. Anybody that's a constitutionalist would say, why? And and this is the real problem that I think in America is that uh, a core part of the rule of law that we don't talk about is that everybody is treated equally. Uh, Imagine that. Can, now you're talking crazy talk. That must that, You must be trying to destroy democracy, sir. Oh, that well, sounds like something know, to destroy democracy. Thinking that Hillary Clinton shouldn't have one standard and uh, and President Obama shouldn't have one one standard and Governor or President Trump having uh, documents like every other president. And he actually kept them lock and key. And yet, you know, uh, Obama had them just in a general warehouse and, and no problem there. I'm, but this is this is one of the problems that you try to tell legislators is that, hey, if this law is not really needed, don't put it on the books because right. selective enforcement is a powerful weapon. When you get a prosecutor that will say, well, I'm going to go after this. And if there's all these stupid laws on the book that we all break. I mean, I think the average is three felonies a day is what we all commit at some point. Uh, it can be weaponized. But but this is not weaponization just to say you should play by the same rules that everybody else plays. Isn't it amazing? The person with the exception – that nobody else has where they get to have self-governance. They don't have a county, a borough, a township, a, a city. They have nothing they live in. They are their own government. Yep. They are their own government. They're being picked on. Why? Uh, because they don't want us to be our own government. Well, is anybody else their own government? Well, no. Well, and, and you and I, when we were lawmakers, one of the rules that you learn is that whatever we do in a legislative session by way of bills that we pass, budgets that we approve – you cannot bind future legislative bodies. You can't bind the governor uh, next year or the every legislative body that comes they in when the general session starts. Everything's open. You can go after anything. 
I mean, you can amend any bill. There's nothing that you can say, I'm passing this, and nobody in a future legislature or governor that serves can ever touch it again. It's not that way. In Utah, we could look at the – we have political subdivisions, counties, and how they're governed. It's in statute. We could change – the legislature could change that statute. They don't, but 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 it's open and available to do. You're going to hear the same things, though, that, you know, it is – it's a threat to democracy. Well, yeah. it's a threat to democracy when elite get to, you know, when, when they have to play by the same rules that everybody else does. I mean, that, those are the things that I am, uh, you know, I, I do find it amazing. Rather than simply say, thanks, Florida, for giving us 50 years to have this great pl- privilege, we're going to we're gonna demand and then kind of uh, a slightly different version of uh, racism or racists that, that are saying, you're, you're picking on me because – you know, we're, we were standing up for these kids that 79% think uh, shouldn't be chemically castrated. Let me tell you something. If Disney gets away with this, which they won't, but if they did, it would be a great way. If you had some statutory privilege nobody else had, if anyone ever tried to take away from you, well, you're just being abusive. You could actually do anything you want. And uh, and any time that they ever push back, you'd say, well, you're, you're weaponizing government power. Yep. Because I have something no one else has, and you want to take it away. Anyway, it doesn't work. It doesn't jive. Common sense people aren't going to buy it. Disney, once again, is misreading this. Uh, it's not going to work for them. So, you know, good luck, Disney. You're going to you're gonna just keep uh, alienating yourself from Americans that used to love Disney. I used to love it. Okay, folks, when we come back, we have more to talk about. You're going to want to hang on. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Mayday. Mayday. Yeah. Stormy rain day. This just in, folks. The country of Cuba has announced that uh, the communist May Day parade has been canceled. A staple of communism. I'm going to tell you right now, not just in Cuba either. This is a big deal for communist countries. I mean, communists around the world typically mark May Day or International Workers Day on May 1st. With parades. It's yeah, a big, I, big deal, right? I can I never think of May Day parades without thinking that my, my sister-in-law uh, was out all day at May Day as the Chernobyl claim, cloud came over because the communist people uh, party, Soviet Union, didn't let the people know that Chernobyl had just blown up. And so, Wait, you have a relative that saw that cloud? Because uh, I yeah. didn't think they had a whole lot of people that lived through seeing No, that's, she was in, in Kiev uh, and was marching that day and they didn't tell their own people. Yeah. I actually have a little of Chernobyl in me because I was, my parents had picked me up that day after my mission in Sweden and I was in Stockholm and they didn't tell the world and the cloud came over uh, oh Sweden. Gosh. So I've got a little... Uh, Did you watch the uh, Chernobyl uh, yeah, very docu- good. series or the It was like a mini-series yeah, about it. Yeah, on HBO. Yeah. Was that great? Uh, KGB ripped out the pages that said, hey, this thing can melt down if, you do, if certain things go wrong. And they took the pages out of the manuals so yep. that no one would know that there were those vulnerabilities. That worked out well yeah. for them. Well, well just, just kind of... Just like communism worked <laughs> just, out for Cuba and just, the Mayday Okay, just, just like that, <laughs> it turns out. We haven't told you why Cuba has canceled their most popular, their most important holiday parade in Havana. Why? They don't have any gasoline. It is ama- it's amazing. <laughs> Due to limitations with securing fuel. Okay, so when Fidel was running the show, somehow they had it. They made it all a big deal. But over time, it gets harder and harder now. Yeah, they had to delay it over COVID. They stopped it then. They can't kick this thing into gear. They've canceled it because they don't have enough gasoline in that and country. And yet the same leftist ideology is moving us towards electric cars. And I, I'm, I'm fearful that there might be day, a day that uh, 
because the wind's not going to be blowing that day or the sun's not going to be shining. We won't be able to have our EV cars for the May Day Parade. And so this could be coming to the United States someday well, soon. Well, I tell you this, if you're in California after 2030, you're not allowed to buy a new car that takes gasoline. So they're going to take a gasoline away now. Despite the, the infrastructure isn't there to support and, it. And then they already have, they're already having a hard time generating power. They already have brownouts in that in, in California. And so that's all going to go so well for that state. We're going to watch that go. Um, I will tell you this. Do you? Let me ask you this question. In Cuba, where they don't have enough gasoline to actually have the parade to celebrate their form of government, uh, which says it all, do you think the elite, the ruling class of Cuba, all there's very few of them, but they are there. Do you think they are having trouble finding any gasoline right uh, now? I think they're sipping wine and caviar in air-conditioned buildings. Uh, they probably have like four-wheelers in their backyards. They're probably using gasoline everywhere. They are. Just remember, everybody is equal, but some people are more equal than others there. Yeah. Greg. So there you go. If you, if, if you want a little history lesson happening in real time, folks, about the communist government or former government, just understand that uh, when you have a government like that and centralize all your power there, when you go to at least even promote how great that centralized government is, you might not have enough gasoline to even hold the parade. Is that – I mean, I just think uh, – I just think that's uh, no, but communist irony, China, with them providing us batteries for our EV, they'll solve all our problems. This will never happen, you know, <laughs> when we ship by, everything to communist by, China. By the way, there's some really disappointed people that on that day love to protest communism. Oh. And one of the signs that the, it's translated into this, I'm going to use a different word than they do because they're a bit. The, these signs must have had swear bears write them because it's it's a different word than I'm going to use. This crappy country sucks, <laughs> oh. and I said it the nice way, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, they, they, they have been protesting. Those protests have gotten larger in, in Cuba on May Day. Well, they're not going to have those either. I bet Actually, do you think they'll have them anyway? Even if they don't have the parade and the gasoline to hold it, do you think the people will still push back? Uh, I, Let's hope. Yeah. All right, folks. We're coming back. Top of the hour. We'll come back. We have a lot more planned. Look, I, th- I hear a rumor that our governor, former governor Gary Herbert, might join us. Oh, you want to find oh, out? Wow. Back after the break. Uh, this is tuna. I hate tuna, okay? I refuse to get stuck with tuna. I am fine. Hey, Leo, don't eat the tuna. Oh, what do we do? I just said that. I'm not eating it. I'm oh, not good. eating tuna. Come on, let's go back. Hey, I'm not going back, so just shut up. Oh, sure. Don't go back. Okay, okay, don't go back. That's it. They won't. Let me tell you, can I give you guys a friendly piece of advice, okay? Don't ever go up to the drive-thru, okay? Always walk up to the counter. You know what? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, they f*** you at the drive-thru, okay? They with the drive-thru. They know you're going to be miles away before you find out you got You know what? A lot of pressure, isn't there? Everybody's <laughs> under pressure. It's the holidays. We got bonuses flying around with some people, not others. There's, there's, you know, there's rallies in D.C. There's Supreme Court hearings. Okay? They know you're not going to turn around and go back. So they don't care. Who gets Oh, Leo gets. Okay, sure. See, that's what happens with all this pressure. You get all this pressure, and then they start stabbing you in the back, Rod. That's what happens. I'm not eating this tuna, okay? Shut up! Left jab, right hook. Yeah, he's ready to deliver the next body blow. Guest hosting for Rod Arquette today, Greg Hughes. Welcome back. It's Citizen Hughes and the great Chris Herod. Thank you. Unfiltered today. Unfiltered. We are here joining you as Rod is enjoying his vacation. He's gone the whole week. He was half last week. He's all this week. He is alive. We yep. did get a text message from yeah, him. Yeah, we did. He's loving it uh, in his vacation. 
I'll I did him... tell him not to shave when uh, he goes swim in the Dead Sea, so hopefully he yeah. followed that advice. Yeah, but I, he's having a blast, and he deserves it. He works very hard, but, you know, the cat's away. Mice are going to play. We're just, this is our show. We have barricaded the door. We don't let the engineers in. We just, we're just running with it. We don't care if they like our topics or not. So we're going to push the envelope today, I think. Well, absolutely, as we typically do. Um, so, look, we have a couple things we want to talk about. I teased this at the beginning of the show um, that you brought today in our in our show prep. You brought me the, uh, a document, and I'm looking at it right now, uh, that I have never seen in relation to the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue that has been explored, debated, uh, I thought, ad nauseum, but... This is a wrinkle that I I didn't see before, and maybe our listeners ha- have heard about, about this before, but I have not. But so I'm going to let you take it away because I think you need to dive into what this is. Well, but let me listen frame- up, folks, because I'm I, this is news to me. What we're going to hear. Let, let me frame it this way: My dad is an oral surgeon, and uh, my dad is one of the most honest men I know. He's a principled man. He did a tour of duty in Vietnam at a Marine hospital, and. I like to say that my dad kind of grew up in the golden age of medicine when there was no conflict. Everybody went into medicine because they love people. They wanted to make sure that people... Hippocratic oath yeah. stuff? You yeah. mean like that? Yeah. It is. I think it was before the pharmaceutical companies gained information. And, and my my dad never took a uh, referral fee, never gave a referral fee. He was an oral surgeon. He had to work with dentists. Uh, you know, the only thing he ever did, I think, is give flowers at Christmas time to just to say thank you. But it was a ten dollar poinsettia. Uh, but when I saw this, this caused me extreme amount of of heartburn. It was actually a, an article in the Epic Times, and if you've never read the Epic Times, or subscribe to the Epic I Times. I have a subscription. Uh, it is great. It's well worth uh, the money for. Uh, um, you know, we're not getting paid for that uh, no. plug and full disclosure. But uh, if anybody found it interesting that why was there such a push from doctors so much? And uh, I wonder, in this article, it talks about a COVID-19 vaccine provider incentive program. Does that, that sound innocuous, doesn't it, kind of? Or, or does it? COVID-19 vaccine. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the document. This is from a, a healthcare provider and uh, is with their letterhead at the top, you know, a network as we'd have them here. COVID-19 vaccine and provider incentive program. So for those not receiving the vaccine, but for those that are providing it, there is an incentive. An incentive. Which okay, that's new. My, my, you know, a little money. We always talk about money kind of changes our priority. But this this is reading this. This isn't in Utah, and we'll get to what Utah may or may not have. But this was in Kentucky. But it, And I read directly. It says, as a participating practice in the COVID-19 provider vaccine incentive program, we recognize your hard work by offering incentives for helping patients make the choice to become vaccinated. Now, we heard that a lot. There was a big push, but I never heard that there was a financial incentive. So, in Kentucky, if you were a family provider and you got 30% of uh, your patients that were in this Medicaid pool to get the vaccination, you got a $20 bonus, Greg. But, but Chris, it's it's even more draconian than that. It's not just Medicaid pool. It's this specific provider. So let's think of the providers. I'll give you a comparison of what the equivalent would be in Utah. University of Utah Health uh, System, uh, IHC, uh, uh, Steward. These are, I'm not, I'm just giving you examples of health care provider networks or, you know, that are out there that are a network of them. 
this this document from Kentucky is from one of those networks. Right. So this is and it's saying in these incentive programs the name of the providers members. So specific to that insurance or medical healthcare right. provider uh, network. But I you know, but $20 is I think it's a fair amount of money. It might might cause a doctor to, you know, but $20 per patient. But that's not what it is. The more people you get enrolled, the bigger your payout. Not just you're making more $20 more. If you got 75% of your members to get vaccinated, you got a $125 bonus for everybody. So there was a, uh, a, you know, imagine you were the last patient to come into a doctor's office. You knew that if you got this patient vaccinated, you'd get $125 rather than the next step, was which was only $100. So let's assume that you had, I think this is about... This is the on the low end of, of a patient, you know, a, a thousand patients in your yeah. practice. You uh, and if you got one hundred and twenty five dollars per per patient to get vaccinated, that's a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar bonus. Now, did you ever hear anybody talk about that? Does am I the only one that this causes concern <laughs> in? I, like I said, I have never heard this before. Um, I I have never heard that there was, and it's not just. You know, I, 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 I was aware that if – and I knew that the federal government was sending extra money to healthcare providers. If someone died and had COVID-19 when they died, there was money that went to the hospital or wherever they extra were extra money yeah, when they so. died. So – and what I didn't like about that was you could die of a motorcycle accident. And no, if you I tested actually, positive I, I for had COVID-19. I had a neighbor, a tragic accident, fell off a, a, a ladder, got a brain hemorrhage, and he died of covid Yes, is what it was listed, and that's and so you were seeing these in, insulting COVID nineteen deaths that were had nothing to do with COVID nineteen, but the reason they were named that or called that was because there was a financial trail, there was a financial amount of money that if they had COVID nineteen when they died, and that was the only requirement, they would send yeah. extra dollars, and it and what did it do? It incentivized and it drove decision making in terms of what they diagnosed someone. And, and here are the consequences when government has that. Is my neighbor, they had a accidental policy. But they did not have a health life insurance on him. So the, the, the difference of whether he died from the accident of falling off a ladder oh my gosh. or dying yeah. from COVID, which was a, considered a communicable disease and is not the same, uh, was whether they got the policy or not. And so, they, so you have that tragedy and then you have to go and fight and uh, they weren't able to change that. You're but kidding. No. Uh, wow. it, it is, you know, it, it's tragic. But, but to me... So now let's forget the COVID. Now let's talk about the vaccine. The, the vaccine. Now there's a money trail there. There, there is, and and so you know the question I I have immediately could this have happened in Utah? And we, uh, I will disclose I have not been able to independently verify. I've got a grandma request, and hopefully now I can get because of this news program I can get my grandma request back in five days rather than the ten days for the general public because we're now news. That's right. Uh, hey, news we're organization. Media. We're media yeah. now. We won't so, let them know we're guest hosting. We just shh, shh, about that. We won't tell them. And I won't part. have to pay the money. But <laughs> according to my source, the same program was paid by the Utah Department of Health. You're kidding. So this what happened in Kentucky where they were getting more money for – and remember, you get 60% of this healthcare network's uh, members uh, – you get a hundred bucks. As soon as you hit seventy five percent, it was one hundred twenty five bucks. Yep. So they're getting so the thousand people you mentioned 
you're north of 600 people. You're still only getting $100 till you get to 750th. And yeah. now you just want 25 bucks for every that person and everyone. Hey, everybody else. Boom. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is staggering to me. And I get, let me ask you this question because your father's a physician. I have no, there's no doctors in my, no big brains in my family. There's no doctors. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that would color the decision-making process of physicians, this, this uh, incentive program? You know, I, um, you know, and, and, and full disclosure, I, I differ with my dad's opinion on the, on the vaccine. Uh, but, but, I believe human behavior. I mean, that's what natural law when tells you. Say you say disagree with your father. Your father, okay. your father thinks it's important. Well, yeah, him. he doesn't agree with this program, but he but he believes he in the vaccine. The I, I, I'm not okay. vaccinated. Right. Uh, my dad is vaccinated. Okay. I need I need to say that. But yeah, I mean, but uh, but um, I would say people that are older. older look, what we learned about about COVID nineteen is there were some comorbidities. I got a sister. Yeah, she's a smoker. Okay. Uh huh. I figured if she's been assaulting her lungs with cigarettes, with cigs for so long, and this is a, a respiratory virus, that it makes sense to do something. No, because it, it, right? it's a cost-benefit analysis. I, yeah. So I think there's some some comorbidities out there, and I think advanced yeah. age. I don't know how far old your father is, but some of that's not a. Some of that is intuitive to me. What's not intuitive to me is every single person, without regard to age, without regard to any comorbidities or any circumstance, you're getting cash in the hand. The more yeah. people with that again, without any regard to who, what, where, they're getting money for these. Yeah, and 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 the, and the problem is, and this is what bugged me the most about COVID is that, you know, our children were least affected, and yet we shut down schools. We shut down. We look at all the complications for, uh, of of COVID, and and yet now the doctor had just as much incentive to get the child and uh, uh, vaccinated yep. as the uh, senior citizen. And to me, I, I have a major problem with that. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing revelation for me. I don't know if our if our listeners, if this sounds familiar to them, had no idea. But um, but look, good information. It's good to know. We got to go to a break. Look at the top of the hour. We I said this right before we left. Uh, our former governor Gary Herbert, uh, big announcement came out today. Something happening in UVU and at uh, part of his uh, library there on campus. We're going to have the uh, our former governor, Governor Gary Herbert, join us at five thirty eight, folks. So, uh, hang you want to hang on? It's a, it's a pretty cool announcement. I'm I'm happy that this is happening. It's happening Friday, uh, so we'll hear that when you come back. We have some more to talk about. Uh, you're listening to Talk Radio one zero five nine KNRS. Today, this Steeler fan is not waving his terrible towel. He's using it to dry off the eyes of American citizens. Yeah, we're in deep doo-doo, folks. And filling in for Rob today is one-time candidate for governor, Greg Hughes. Welcome back, folks. It's the Citizen Hughes, Chris Herod Show. We are your guest hosts today, co-hosts, and... Uh, Rod will be back next month. No, I think he's Tuesday. I think they're going to do a best of next Monday. Are they? Uh, yeah, but uh, he's enjoying a well-deserved vacation. We are here. We are running uh, this show that today. Uh, high pace. High pace on your yeah. drive time home. So look, we we, um, we figure if we get fired the next two days, then at least for me, I'm, I I you know I don't have a regular gig right, on the show. Murdoch, so. Murdoch's don't they don't control iHeart. They don't control KNRS. We're safe. We don't have BlackRock breathing down our necks. We uh -huh. don't have any of that going on. We're good. We're not Fox News. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> so look, uh, I I said this before the break. Um, I, this actually was happening in real time. I'm nimble, Chris. Man, I'm doing this while the show's going on. 
Uh, it was announced today that there's going to be a, a, a former Vice President Mike Pence is coming to Utah for a luncheon in two days, just Friday. Today's Wednesday. And uh, he's going to be at UVU. He's going to be the guest of former Governor uh, Gary Herbert. So yep. we are going to have... Gary, Governor Gary Well, hopefully, Herbert I got I got an invitation last time as a former legislator, and this former speaker did get an invitation. I, think, I, I heard him a couple kidding? months, I'm you like, know, half a year ball. ago or whatever it was. It was great. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get an invitation. I I'm I'm in the cheap seats now. They you're you're still seen as a as a you know important person. I'm I'm out <laughs> yeah. here. Your dad's a doctor. You're an important person. Yeah. You know that's 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 what it is. So <laughs> anyway, um, so five thirty eight. Governor Gary Herbert's going to join us on the program. Talk about the event on Friday. I think that's exciting. Love to see uh, when we have former presidents or vice presidents or even he's a candidate uh, going into 24. So that's good to have candidates coming through Utah uh, making their best case. Here's what I want to talk about, though, in this segment. Wouldn't you agree, Chris, that as we've been paying attention to politics, you know, presidential administrations, I would argue that the Secretary of Transportation has never been a politically volatile cabinet position. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would agree. I mean, I uh, you can think of uh, uh, actually uh, what, what what's her name? Elaine Chow. Elaine Chow. I don't re- ever remember her. I mean, she served actually under uh, in the Bush administration, mm-hmm. and That's then right. again in the Trump administration. And I didn't hear her na- name every week. I, I think I heard it once, yeah. but other than that, in relation I didn't. to Mitch McConnell or her husband. Yeah. But but here's the thing, and this is I felt that I found this in our state legislature. You know, the Republican, Democrat, partisan, anything. You're not finding it when you're building transportation infrastructure. When you're, I mean, it's most just, of it's, us agree that we you need roads, yes, right? I mean, it's it's pretty neutral territory politically, unless you're Pete Buttigieg. Somehow, this guy has made a disaster out of this secretary cabinet position. He has so politicized the building of bridges and the construction of roads or railroad safety. Right and Palestine, I didn't. I didn't know it was a, there was a LGBTQ issue in railroad issues or it, road it, issues. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. But let's. I, I got a clip here. Okay, and let's listen to. So Pete Buttigieg, this guy was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He ran. I don't know what made him think he could run for president, but it was a fool's errand to start. He gets this cushy job. I mean, you don't have to. It is the most apolitical of all the things you're going to do in government. Transportation, everyone's your friend. You don't have to worry what their political persuasion is. We're just building roads. We're building, you know, tra- you got federal uh, federal railroads. You've got air. It's all good. It, we all need it. It's it, it should be neutral territory. He has absolutely politicized this to death, and he hasn't stopped, okay? This is him this week talking about how evil Republicans, okay, are blocking Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His efforts to build bridges. 
Why do you think some Republicans are stalling on this? Is it because they're too busy focused on starting culture wars? Well, I do think that the culture wars are getting in the way sometimes. I mean, just the other day I was testifying in the appropriations subcommittee explaining how our budget was going to help with things like railroad safety, air traffic control, and other transportation needs. And we had to take a break so that they could all go and vote on a bill to kick transgender teenagers off of sports teams. That was the priority for the House GOP that day. So these things really are getting in the way of our ability to get work done. We're literally building bridges and they're literally banning books. Hmm. It's it's so farcical. Let me tell you something. The that, fact that seventy nine percent of Americans actually agree that boys or girl uh, boys should not play in girls girl sports. That's, that's right. a partisan cultural war issue. The the, the 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 host actually said this is a cultural war that Republicans started. I don't think so. This is coming right at our kids and us as parents, and we didn't start this. But here's the thing: hats off to anyone in Congress that actually has to go make to cast a vote sometime. And he's he's put out as the secretary of the Department of Transportation and how massive that department is. He's testifying in a committee. They have to leave to vote. And he's which happens every day. And and Mayor Pete is waiting. Oh, imagine that. This guy's played small ball his whole life. He thinks because he has to wait for them to go vote, which thank goodness they're doing their job. It's 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 kept him from being able to talk about bridges. It is such an excuse. The man was nowhere to be seen in Palestine, uh, uh, Ohio, when the, the train has made that a just a, a wasteland with the chemicals that was spilled from that train accident. When he was he did had no leadership there and now he blames a, a, a Republican somehow. Let alone the and other a cultural the, agenda. Give the, me a the, break. The boats off of California. On and listen to that. It's gonna be he has some great news to talk about uh, happening at UVU on Friday. Listen, you're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. From Speaker of the Utah House to candidate for governor, and now a radio talk show host, filling in for Rod is citizen Craig Hughes. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is citizen Greg Hughes with the great Chris Herod. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Do, do I get that intro sometime? I mean... You know, we're five days in that, and I and I thought there might be an intro like so, that, but nothing like that. You know, getting those promos. I've been I've been guest hosting for a couple of years. I, it took me a while. They they make you earn your stripes here, Chris. You look. You you already want a you already want a parking place. Okay. You already want you already already want the. Yeah, they don't do it that way. <laughs> I am out, allowed to eat food though here, so that's been good so far. So thank yeah, you. They got a yeah, it's a new station, new or refurbished station here. They got some. They got a good little kitchen over there. They now. do. Nice. Yeah, that's good perks. Good time to come in and start doing this. This is a good time to be uh, at KNRS. So welcome. But we are uh, filling in for uh, Rod Arquette, for the Rod Arquette show as he's on vacation, and uh, we are waiting. We're going to have Governor Gary Herbert join us because there's a little event happening at UVU, and uh, it's actually being hosted by UVU, but really the Gary R. Herbert Institute for Public Policy. Mm-hmm. So our the governor. He served like what three terms or something, and he uh, and I served with him when I was in the house, and so did you. Uh, they're having a, a roundtable with Governor or Vice Vice President Mike Pence, and he was a he was also the governor of Indiana. He was also a member of Congress for a while, uh, and now he's a candidate for president in 2024. So joining us on the program is our Governor Gary R. Herbert. Uh, governor Herbert, do you miss me? 
I just want to ask. I just want to open with that. Do you just miss me as speaker? Oh do you gosh. miss? Do you miss our our days together? In the combat we had up there, you, know, you get, get used to the the being in the ring and in the arena confrontation. That's right. That's right. So it, it's it's you get into a habit. And you hate to give it up. <laughs> That's what, right. What, what, that's Let's right. Get back in the ring. Let's go after it. Oh, we had some fun. We did, but you know, it, I, it was always great. You, uh, you're an athlete too. You were a Pittsburgh Pirate. You were, uh, you know, you a you, minor league baseball player. Was I believe. In the pirate, pirate system, but you, you well, know you competition. Yeah. You know sports. You're not. You don't mess around. I felt it. Well, I. It was my way to get uh, friends, and, <laughs> and kind of I was I was very backward, kind of shy, but I found that I was pretty good at sports and uh that was how i interacted i was good at basketball and i'm good at baseball good at football uh put took up tennis and golf a little later in life but i enjoy the competition that's you know politics they refer to as a blood sport and and that's unfortunate but we didn't spill too much blood did we speaker no we did not uh, and I have, yeah, I have Chris here uh, joining me as the co-host, but Chris doesn't know this story, but I love to brag about this with when we, we talk about this. I've watched you uh, play. T- you picked up tennis late in life. I watched you go, play back and forth with Andre Agassi, and I've watched, I watched yeah. you uh, run him around that. Literally, I have the video. You ran him around the court <laughs> when you were governor. It was great. That's great. Well, well actually, know, he, he, uh, they, they always are a little surprised that the governor can do anything else. <laughs> Well, I have, I have. The last time I think I ran into the governor was at Riverside Golf Course yeah. in Provo. So he he can golf as yeah. well. Yeah, I was working on my getting my handicap down to single digit, and uh, I wanted to shoot my age, which is seventy five, and I did it. Gee, did oh, you? That's did great. It and, oh, good for you. That's, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I enjoy competition, and Pollock brings that. Uh, but I doubt to correct you. I tried out with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're right on that account. But their comment to me was, Gary, don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> I like so, my version better. I just want to think of you as a Pittsburgh Pirate. One so, of the bucks. So. That, look. Yeah, I had a chance to play at BYU. And just kind of a, the way it worked out at the time, uh, I, my bishop called me in and said, I know you want to play baseball, but I think you should go on a mission. So I went on an LDS mission, and that kind of well, shot my baseball career and um, went on to other things. I think you did all right, though. I don't know. I don't think that trajectory was harmed at all. I think you did good. So, <laughs> Governor, here's the deal. Gary R. Herbert Institute for Public Policy at Utah Valley University. Uh, big big announcement came out from your, your – what do you call that, a library? I know it's an institute, but you had a big announcement that our former uh, vice president, Mike Pence – and candidate for 2024 for a president, he is going to join you on coming the day after tomorrow on Friday for a luncheon. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, I I would say it's probably premature to say he's a candidate. Oh, okay. Uh, he certainly is exploring the possibility. Uh, and uh, bless his heart, you know, he came here a year ago when we had, uh, in fact, a little less than a year ago, when we had the ribbon cutting of the Herbert Institute. It was a favor to me. He came and cut the ribbon, and uh, which was nice. Uh, and so I, I think he's doing what I heard Bob Bennett say once, that you may not run, uh, you may not want to run, uh, may choose not to run, but you ought to get prepared so you can run if you want to and choose to. That, that's good So strategy. I think Mike Pence uh, certainly is one of those that has creds uh and and uh has experience he's 
in the Congress for about 12 years. He was governor of Indiana and certainly uh, served as vice president. And I think did so with distinction. Um, and so it would be kind of a normal thing for him to consider. And what really the telltale sign is he wrote a book. If you're yeah. going for president, you've got to write a book. <laughs> so true. I'm waiting That's for your true. book to come out, Greg. Yeah, no, I don't think it's pretty <laughs> so, far. Uh, I don't think it's happening. Uh, so let me ask so you this. Anyway, okay, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so I, again, in talking to him, uh, we've, He's a good friend. I, I have great admiration for him. And uh, I think uh, it's good to have governors as president. Uh, you know, I think the executive branch experience gives them a leg up. And if, historically, we see more governors and probably anything else or executives from business. You know, uh, I think it's a different skill set than the legislature. Yeah, absolutely. But but I but I in, in talking to him, you know, uh, the fact that he, you know, Ron DeSantis was here Saturday had a chance to talk with Ron and talk about what he's doing in Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I kid with him. I said, you know what I like about you, Ron, hmm. what you're doing in Florida, you're becoming like Utah. <laughs> That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot, of his, a lot of his laundry list. That. He yeah. actually did say that Florida is the Utah of the South. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so well, what I, what I want to have is choices and options. Sure. Uh, who who ends up winning out? And I I often say you probably heard me say it, both of you that uh, when we end end up tallying the votes, we have winners and losers. I say there's no losers here. There's somebody that got less votes than somebody else, but all contribute to the dialogue and the discussion and help shape policy going forward. We need to have those voices, all the voices. Young, old, in between. Yep. Uh, we need to have those who are moderate, those who are conservative, those who are liberal. Uh, we need to hear those voices so we get a good chance to decide who we want to, to carry the baton for us and lead us uh, figuratively to the promised land. So I, I like what Ron's doing. I see Asa Hutchins is throwing his hat in the ring. Asa is a friend of mine. He's the governor of Arkansas. Yep. Uh, moderate temp, uh, temperament. Uh, done some conservative things in Arkansas. Uh, he again. He certainly got the skill set to be uh, the president. Whether he can get the coalition behind him and get the fifty percent plus one for the nomination, who knows? Uh, Nikki Haley again. She's governor of South Carolina. Uh, did a, a, a good job in South Carolina, and then, of course, ambassador of the United Nations, and she's got a little better name ID. But the guy that I, I'm really kind of curious to see how he does is Mike Pence, and why I'm interested in it is because one, he was number two. Yeah. And yep. I, as somebody who's been number two. Yes, you were a lieutenant governor well, before you were the governor. That, absolutely. That's right. That's not an easy position to be in. No. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be there and to serve and to contribute. But sometimes number two disagrees with number one and right. vice versa. And so number two has to pretty well say, bite my lip and I'll support the team. And so I think for Mike, that was a few. He, he was about as loyal as an old hound dog. He was... Uh, it always became a joke in in Washington D.C. that he was just so loyal to Trump no matter what he said or did. Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious to see what he does now. Okay, you want to be number one? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's hear what your vision for the future is. We only have a minute and I just want to, there's one thing I want to ask you, but before I do, I, would, I just want to point back to how we began this discussion. And I think your okay. point about these different candidates is that competition just raises the, the, the bar for everyone. I mean, the, the, the level of competition, I can't wait for a Republican primary where iron sharpens iron. We have a great, we have a great primary that will make for a nominee that will be most prepared uh, to win in November in 24. Here's what I want to ask real quick. Uh, so I agree with yeah. you. Um, this is a working lunch. This isn't like some just, you know, political pageantry wave. Your, your uh, institute, uh, your Institute for Public Policy, you're hosting this with business leaders. Uh, I, I assume public servants, but it's a working lunch. It's a discussion that's going to happen here on Friday. Is that right? That's correct. We call it a conversation with the former vice president, Mike Pence, and he'll talk about his experiences as governor, as congressman, as, as vice president. And I, I, it's kind of a learning and listening tour. You hear that all the time in politics. But I think he's here to see what we're doing in Utah. It, we are the gold standard. We, we have a lot to teach people. And they have a lot to learn from us. Yeah. If we had Utah running the federal government, we'd be in much better shape. Wouldn't have a thirty-one and a half trillion dollar debt. I can tell you that. Say we know how to balance a budget every single year. Yeah. Okay. And and save for the rainy day. You know. So he's going to listen, learn, and we're going to listen and learn, and so we will learn together. Uh, I I hope we have other candidates. Again, we've had Ron. Now we'll have Mike, and whoever else we can get. I think that's been a great. And it's nice to know that Utah's being discovered. Yeah. You know, 2016 we had a lot of candidates come, and now we're seeing it happen again. And I think that's good for us. It's good for the country. 17th governor of the state of Utah, Gary R. Herbert, joining us, announcing the the visit of Mike Pence, former vice president Mike Pence, on Friday. And uh, thank you, Governor, for what you're doing. Thanks for a a constructive meeting like the one you're going to have on on Friday. There's a lot of listening, a lot of learning from Utah on what we do here. Again, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good to talk to you guys. Let's go play some tennis. Yeah, you whoop me. Yeah, of course you want to play tennis with me. No thanks. Okay. Hey, folks. Right, we'll see you guys. We'll see you, well, folks. When we come back, we've got more to talk about, more to do. This is just we we're just wound up here. We got uh, got a lot uh, to discuss with you when we come back from the break. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Okay, folks. I went overtime in that interview with uh, the governor. In fact, you probably kept, helped a you little. Probably heard, you probably kind of heard it on, as we were coming back into the break. Look, when we come back, so we got to go right back. Uh, we come back at the top of the hour. Robert Rector, Senior Research Fellow from Center for Health and Welfare Policy at the Heritage Foundation, talking about this debt ceiling bill coming out of the House and the work requirement for the welfare part. The conservatives in the House are pushing for that. They got to get the votes. I keep hearing back and forth in terms of doing that. It's time to show up, folks. They got to get a. They got to send something. There's people that don't think they'll do it. Democrats think the Republicans cannot come up with a debt ceiling bill, so uh, they got to prove them wrong. They cannot let perfect be the enemy of good. Get something good. I've heard great things. One sure. percent a year growth domestically, just one percent, and then you're going to require work requirements like that for welfare. Sean Sean Hannity said there's five Republicans holding out. So those five, he said he named one of them. I won't say who it was, but. Yeah. Uh, they just can't name. get. They just can't come up empty-handed. They got to do the work. So, when we come back, we're going to talk with Mr. Rector about that work requirement. He's from the Heritage Foundation. It's going to be a great interview. 
That and more. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. I see trouble. Left jab, right hook. Yeah, he's ready to deliver the next body blow. Guest hosting for Rod Arquette today, Greg Hughes. Welcome back. Citizen Hughes here. The great Chris Herod. Chris Herod. It's going fast, isn't it? Uh, I can't wait. It's the third hour again. That means we only have seven hours left of hosting this together. Wow, that's true. That's true. That sounds long when you say it that no, way. It goes by fast. It Three does, hours goes by very so quickly. So today, we got, we got, I got, look at our stack of stuff. We have so much to get into. So, um, we are going to have in this uh, segment uh, an important interview you're going to want to hear. We have Robert Rector, Senior uh, Research Fellow from the Center for Health and Welfare Policy and the Heritage Foundation. We've been speaking, we've been talking this week about the big debt ceiling bill coming out of the House. Speaker McCarthy getting his votes or trying to get his votes. Um, one of the sticking points, and I think this is a critical moment, if the House and conservative House is going to be relevant they have got to come together on a, on a bill. They, they have to. They, they do. cannot let perfect be the enemy of good because the Democrats are betting the farm that on— we can't get it together. Yes, that Republicans cannot get this done. One of the sticking points, I hear at least, is the work requirement uh, for the welfare portion of our government assistance. Not that the work that the work requirement wouldn't be there. They all agree it will. It's just when would it kick in or, or how much or whatever. So to clear all that up and give us some good information of why we should even have it— we welcome to the program uh, Mr. Robert Rector. Mr. Rector, thank you for joining us. Um, tell us about the work requirement uh, in this in this bill that the House is trying to get passed on the debt limit. Well, it's a very modest work requirement. It appears to really only affect uh, non-parents, uh, non-elderly non-parents who get food stamps. Um, but it is a first step in in revitalizing welfare reform. The core of welfare reform back in the 1990s was to take one of the major programs and say, look, if, you, if you're a parent and you're getting assistance, you don't get a lifetime of cash. You're going to be required to work or at least prepare for work or take training as a condition of getting that aid. That resulted in about an 80% reduction in poverty wow. among single-parent families. The caseload almost disintegrated. But more importantly, it, it caused a dramatic drop in teen non-marital births. It, it stopped the erosion of the American family. So we, we want to assist people who need assistance, but we need to, re to require that they take some act towards self-support and when you do that across the welfare system as a whole, people will also begin to rely on fathers and marriage as opposed to being married to the welfare state. What the Republicans are calling for here is just a very first step that might get us back in the process of 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 changing this system because when we reformed welfare and ended welfare in the 1990s, we really only reformed one out of 80 programs. We need to do we need to do this in food stamps. We need to do it in housing. We need to do it in things like the earned income tax credit to improve the work requirements, because we want to assist those who need assistance. We want to support. We don't want people to be poor, but we need to require that they take steps to to support themselves as well, rather than just relying on one way handouts. It's good for the taxpayer, but it's 
particularly critically important for the recipient themselves. Yeah, you know, first off, Mr. Rector, when when I was a legislator, I often would use your research. So, so thank you for that. Uh, your work is read, and, and so I, I appreciate it. You know, I was surprised when I was a legislator that I, I I tried to have a bill once that required some some work, and I was told that the federal law didn't allow for states to put on some additional requirements. Do you think uh, that was you were largely being misled? It would depend <laughs> on the program, but uh, you might. You'd be surprised if bureaucracy lies. So uh, you you could do more in food stamps. And in problem with the, the uh, temporary assistance to needy families in the typical state, half of those recipients, and this is the reformed program, but half of those recipients aren't doing anything at any given point in time. So uh, we had a good reform. It, it, it had a big effect. Uh, 30 years ago, it, it did change things a lot. But unfortunately, the the left never wanted this reform, and they've they've worked against it. And Republicans, unfortunately, kind of walked away and say, "Well, we ended welfare, but they only ended welfare partially in one program. We need to go back in and and adhere to those pro." principles that worked 30 years ago you know, it, and it's such a great story too because it was a tom it was a wisconsin governor tommy thompson you know state yes. program it worked one it showed how it made sense yes. and it worked newt gingrich congress uh, bill clinton signed it into law james carville the friend of bill clinton wouldn't speak to him for months he was so mad that bill clinton signed it but you, to your point you saw the you saw the welfare rolls drop and plummet because you you had work they dis, requirements. They disintegrated. They are okay. So, so because yeah. because they they had other means of support, and because you sent them the right message. That, Clinton yeah. gets gets credit for for he didn't really do much in terms of the actual law, but his rhetoric was very good, and he would say <laughs> he said very clearly, even more clearly than Reagan did. You, you shouldn't be getting a lifetime of welfare. It's not good for you. We're going to help you, but it's going to be temporary, and we're going to expect you to do things to help yourself. And, <laughs> and the recipients listened to that, and, and it was overwhelmingly successful. Here, here's just one example of that. When welfare reform happened, roughly one in ten children in the United States were born to unmarried teen, teen women. Okay, we did well, and that that was an insoluble problem. It was getting worse and worse every single year, rising like a rocket. We did welfare reform; it came to an almost immediate end. Okay, wow. uh, teen pregnancy and teen non-marital births just dropped like a stone, at, because you, the message was you're not going to have a baby and and live on the welfare system for the next 15 years because that's not good for you, it's not good for the baby, and it's not good for society. The teenagers heard that message, and they responded to it almost immediately. And that's just one of, of a wide variety of positive things that happened from reform that, that no one actually knows about. Mr. Rector, I have a question because, you know, this is coming up right now. That I am I am cheering for and hoping that the that Speaker McCarthy in the House will come up with a, a debt limit ceiling bill that does more than just, you know, immediately just without anything raise it. The question I have is the way the work requirement is described in the bill uh, as it is right now, is it is it worth voting for? 
or does it need some work? Yes, yes. It, it's a small thing, though, but I, I, I would just emphasize is I, I, I just played a big role in designing that reform back in the 90s and writing that law. The main thing is just to start doing it, okay? It's a very good thing that they're even raising this issue, which they've tended to ignore now for a couple decades, mm-hmm. and it's a very modest work requirement. And about 90% of the public believe we have a polling question. We ask, should an able-bodied adult who gets food, a cash, housing, or medical care from the government, should they be required to work or prepare for work? 90% of the public say absolutely. You know, the public wants to be generous. They want to be compassionate, but they don't want, they don't want uh, freeloaders. They don't want one-way handouts that actually make the poor worse off than they are. And that's the way the welfare system is still working for you know, the most part. Mr. Ricker, I, I, I read a, uh, a stat that I couldn't believe is true. I just wanted to ask you if, if it is true. But where I read that 99 million Americans of working age are not currently working. Is, is that true? And, and, and That sounds high to me. Okay. That's but what it, I thought it was high. It, it does mean that we want people to work more. And the way to do that is to say, look, we're going to help you, but we want you to help yourself. And that means if you're, if you're, the, this work requirement is mainly just going to affect young adults who are sitting in the basement playing video games and are getting food stamps while they do that. And we're going to say to them, look, this isn't good for you. Um, we, we, we will, we will give you food. We will help you to feed yourself, but we're going to expect you to kind of come down to the welfare office just once, once or twice a week and look for a job under our supervision. That, that's the core of welfare reform. It's the simplest thing in the world. And what happens is once you do that rather strong nudge that you can't get these benefits for nothing indefinitely, People don't come onto the rolls in the first place. They get off very quickly, and they start up in more productive lives. It doesn't. We're not out here just to throw people in the street. We want to say, again, the simplest principle, we will help you, but you have to help yourself in exchange. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the Herod uh, welfare program. Uh, I don't give my chi- children uh, an allowance, but I do give them a lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> I pay for the gas and the, and the lawnmower, and they get to go out and find the jobs to to earn the money. I, I think well, it's a that, sand that, policy. That's more vigorous than what we would be doing on welfare. So. <laughs> he's heartless. So, no, he's, and we're not doing it with it. kids either. We're doing it with 22-year-olds, you know. So, and this is really true compassion. You know, with your kids, you don't want to reward your kids for idleness. You know that you're, that's a that's a bad thing. And the longer you stay out of the labor force on welfare, the harder you have harder you have to get a job in the future. It cuts down on your long-term earnings, cuts down on your ability to be a parent and support children. So we we help, but we help in a way that that requires them to help themselves. And one of the great lessons from the 1990s was that almost all the welfare recipients themselves responded to this message and this requirement very positively. And that was a more vigorous thing. That was focused on single mothers, basically. This is largely just focused on on uh, adults who, who don't have kids and are, are able-bodied and perfectly capable of working. The, f- the simple fact of the matter is that the left believes that people are entitled to a living from the state funded by the taxpayer without being required to do anything what in a- exchange for that. And that that's if you want to hurt people, 
That's the kind of that's system you give. You never do it to your own family because you would know how terrible it would be yeah. and its long-term effect. But we, we can we can do it because the left wants to do things that way. It's kind yeah. of well, <clears throat> it's kind of taking vengeance on society for injustice or something. But the poor are the people that really lose from this. Mr. Rector, we have a we're coming up on a break. I can't thank you enough. I, you know, I can tell your fingerprints were all over the ninety. 90- <laughs> 96 smart welfare reform you're still in the game you're still in the arena doing good work thank you for joining us and uh sure. and, and really putting some you know, bright common lights sense. on such a common sense uh intuitive thing that we're lucky that congress is even considering so thank you for joining us on the program and good luck in your future endeavors okay well thank you all right that was robert rector with the heritage foundation talking about the work requirement in the debt ceiling bill that the that the house has got to pass if there's five republicans out there that don't want to pass it you better get over it and get it passed because democrats are betting the farm that you won't that you can't get it together and so anyway we hope you do we're gonna when we come back from the break i'm gonna talk about i want to talk about the the tucker carlson uh theories that are out there and how they're looking a lot like tv shows or a specific tv show when we come back from the break. Uh, so you want to hang on. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Citizen Greg Hughes. Do you recognize this song, Chris? Uh, I do not, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, how many of you out there, folks, recognize this music? If you don't, then good for you. You don't have HBO. (laughs) So that's probably a good thing. So I've been watching this program called Succession. (laughs) It's a story of fiction about a very powerful uh, media family. And the old man, Roy Logan. No, Logan Roy. He's he's a very just powerful, hot-tempered, patriarch of a family you got the kids all run around being competitive with each other a lot of intrigue this this show called succession now look i'm not like i know they just came out with their fourth season i think it's the last season i'm in, i'm somewhere in season two so i don't watch it all the time but i i do i do watch it. it is it is said to be loosely based on the murdoch family uh-huh. rupert murdoch right yep. well you actually spotted this and i want you to actually go into I am telling you, folks, that if you have watched that TV show at all, um, I don't know if Vanity Fair and some of these, like, I would say, bottom feeder people that pretend to be journalists, it's all – the regime media is what it is. But you, when you start reading a story about politics and Vanity Fair, it starts to get ridiculous. <laughs> but here's – but this one, it's either the case that the Vanity Fair people writing these stories are just watching succession on – they're just binge-watching the show – and then they have a deadline on a on Fox and why they fired why they fired Tucker Carlson and they kind of blend it. Yeah. Or this is really a show closely uh, based on the Rupert Murdoch right. family. I don't know. I I can't. I think it's I think it's art Im- imitating reality, but it's too close. So there's two stories that Vanity Fair put out that are coming straight from that TV show. But they're, they're saying it's actually the case, that they are, their sources are saying that Tucker Carlson and Fox, these are the things that are going on. You have the best storyline that I want you to share that is a that could come straight out of a succession episode or story arc or is true. I don't know what, but what, what did you find on the, on the reason 
that Rupert Murdoch fired Tucker Carlson. Well, because he, the, I, I, well, there's, there's, there's two of them. One, one is is that uh, his girlfriend didn't like. Uh, his girlfriend was religious and really liked religious, and it kind of triggered. Uh, Rupert Murdoch. He didn't kind of like that, and then all of a sudden, Tucker Carlson started speaking. He's, you know, he he started uh, saying things about evil. He started talking about uh, the importance of prayer, and uh, Rupert Murdoch kind of broke up with his girlfriend <laughs> over that topic when she, I guess, supposedly in some conversation, according to this article from Joseph McKinnon, uh, that uh, he didn't like. Uh, his girlfriend quoting the Bible and then he uh, said, uh, oh, where is it? He, d- he doesn't like the spiritual talk, but he, <laughs> he really didn't like it when he said, uh, uh, she said that Tucker Carlson is a messenger from God and Murdoch said, nope. <laughs> so, so yeah, the 92-year-old, uh, Rupert Murdoch, he's growing increasingly uncomfortable with his fiance's outspoken evangelical views and as you pointed out, Tucker Carlson saying, look, it's not even about policy anymore. It's actually good versus evil. evil yep. and, and he actually encouraged, this is over the weekend, encouraged at a Heritage Foundation event for people to just take 10 minutes out of their day and pray. Yeah. We're at that stage. We should pray. And right out of a, a fictitious story, they are arguing or saying that a way to, he hates this whole evangelical narrative, Rupert Murdoch, because he's, I think they're trying to say he's evil, right? Uh, um, but a way to stick it to the ex-girlfriend he dumped because she just talks about the Bible too, too much. much. She's too van- evangelical. Is he's going to take away her favorite TV show, Tucker Carlson. Well, you know, it's one of those things, too, that it's amazing when people have courage. You know, one of my favorite presidents, uh, uh, I truly believe I wouldn't be married to the person that I am uh, had he not had the courage to say uh, evil empire. And yeah, the, the, right. the left, you know, you look at so many things that are going on, and I, I, I do think that we're reaching the level of they're not just bad policies. Some of these things that are coming down the pipe are evil policies, and yet we've been trained to say we, we can't say that. That's too much judging. That's too bullying. Yep. But we're at a point where we, we all need to stand up and say some of these things are just simply not right. And they're and they're evil. They're not just bad policies and won't work policies. They're they're actually evil. Yeah, and and do you know how much? I mean, you do know this, but uh, the State Department during Reagan's time, when he uh, wanted to just draw the bright line, rip those things out. They were they were mortified that Ronald Reagan would refer to USSR as the evil empire. They 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 did not want him to tell Gorbachev to tear down the wall. wall. No, they took it out of his speech numerous times, and he didn't care. Yeah, he he still fought for that, and and uh, I would argue as you have. Uh, a lot of good came from that, but but what is blowing my mind here is that this whole evangelical, uh, his fiance, ninety two year old guy's got a fiance. What's this guy doing? Right. That's out of the that's straight out of like a succession story. That the, the guy would even be on the prowl at ninety two years old. Well, the, the, so. you got to mention the other part of it too, though. The the real thought part of the succession story. That are we going to talk about that next section, or are you going to do yeah, it really yeah. quickly? No, no, we got a couple. We got a couple stories, and we, I get we then you and I have what we think is going on as well. With the, with the uh, Tucker Carlson Fox News story, but uh, but yeah, those are some of the things that are coming out over the couple of days. When we so we're going to go to a break right now. That's one of them. I got another succession story for you that the yeah. Vanity Fair says is the reason why Tucker left Fox. Uh, when we come back after the break, so you're going to want to hang on. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
back. We got a lot to go over. Last half hour. Breaking news. Tucker Carlson has made a statement. He's posted a statement on Twitter, and uh, we're going to play it in its entirety. And I've listened to it during the commercial break. You're going to listen to it. I just want to finish this one thought line. We had this thing about, and we we have enough time to get to it, but I just want to say the other succession storyline that is just unbelievable that is being bantied about is the reason why Tucker got... Uh, Probably the, the most, I would think one of the most I valid think, reasons. Is that his kids, so Rupert's 92, they don't think he's long for this world. These guys want to sell this to some big BlackRock company or some big wig corporation. They got to get rid of the people that keep going after the big moneyed people because they want to sell yeah. the station uh, you know the network Fox News Channel. So the kids want to sell it. They want to get out, and they got if they're going to do it, they got to take out Carlson, which is actually an exact storyline when they were looking to merge and they had to get rid of their uh, a, one of their news hosts that they all wanted to say was a Nazi or something like that. So anyway, it's right out of succession. Let's go to uh, Tucker Carlson's statement that was posted on Twitter. This is in real time. Um, I'm going to play it here. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Is that right? Uh, okay, I'm going to play it right here. It's two minutes, folks, so hang on, but it's I think it's worth hearing. It's an important statement uh, since Monday morning when Tucker learned that he was no longer working with uh, Fox News. Here we go. Good evening. It's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's got to be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion, they're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. So there you have it. Um, you know, there was no announcement of what he's going to do. He says, see you soon at the at the end of it. But, you know, he, he kind of embraces the – actually, it's a theme of his of the show that he had, Tucker Carlson's show, even his streaming on Fox, uh, what he does there. But, um, 
he does speak about what we point out, Chris, and that is some of the blather coming out of here about, you know, the narratives. They're just, they really don't mean anything, do they? Well, they don't mean anything, but he, he used a word too, collusion. You know, we heard so much, when we think of collusion, we think of Trump and Russia, which was nothing. <laughs> but he yeah. uses collusion, and we're we're going to talk about a story, I think, in the last section that talks about the collusion of how did he put it? He said donors and the speakers. In other words, there's something that's going on behind the scene. And I do think that's a problem in, a, in much of the world that we live in is that there's some collusion that is not transparent. Yeah, it's, you know, there's sometimes when, when there is so much talk, when the most listened to historically, most listened to uh, conservative uh, or I'd say common sense uh cable news program and host is summarily fired so unexpectedly and they're the king that no one does it better no one has a bigger audience no one's to see that happen it has created this entire week so much it's what we talked about so much conspiracy so my so many different ideas of how did this happen why did it happen well you got to listen to what he just said i mean everybody's been waiting to hear something from tucker carlson what did he say there he didn't really get specific about the details of his termination, he probably can't. You know, he's got a lawyer. He's lawyered yeah. up. They got he's got a contract that either has to be honored or they have to say with cause we got rid of you. There's a lot going on that he's not able to talk about. But what was the point of that two minutes that when there's been nothing from him? It is that there's a lot going on, folks, between big business, big government, uh, the regime media. It's all it's it's all, all connected. And if you hear what he just said, and he says, see you soon, which means I think he's, I think he's, he's not hanging up the spurs. No. He's not walking away from any of this. He says, see you soon. But what he's saying there, without being able to say anything, probably even legally, is his ouster. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is absolutely involved with A, corporation, big business, B, the regime media, and the government that doesn't like him continually calling him out. Oh, and I so agree. That's, that's the problem. Um, we're, and we're going to add to one more of those possible theories, I think, in the last section. Even though it's our last segment, I think you want to make sure that you stay and listen because we've got yeah, a we, real possibility. Fact, we better get to this commercial because we do have a couple clips we want to play as, as we come to the end of this program. We still have some big uh, stories to uncover. You're listening, so hang on with us through the break. You're listening to Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Welcome back, ACDC. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a foreshadowing of this segment. Uh, money talks, money, money talks. So. You heard of BlackRock, Chris? You know what that uh, is? I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah, they're a big, you know, hedge fund company, whatever they are, whatever they want to call themselves nowadays. BlackRock, their CEO, uh, a man, a gentleman named uh, BlackRock CEO's name is Larry Fink. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about BlackRock. Then I'm going to tell you about a move that I think is relevant to what we're seeing happen this week uh, with Fox News. Let me go to uh, a, 
a comment in an interview uh, that Larry Fink made about the markets. This is an interesting one. Markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like actually totalitarian governments where you have a uh, understanding of what's out there and obviously we're uh, the whole dimension is changing now with uh, as you said a democratization of uh, of countries and and democracies are very messy as we know in the United States uh, you have opinions changing back and forth so there you go uh, markets did you know that Chris that markets uh, prefer totalitarianism I like stability I've, I've heard I democracy. just haven't heard uh, totalitarian quite as much but it's interesting you get a at inside least, his mind what at he least likes comes free right this guy this larry fink he's and and he's not done just he's not just giving you color commentary here um he's diving into this idea that markets don't like a messy no they don't like competition, uh, competition of, of ideas and yeah okay so let's hear what he has to say about this whole democracy i would call it a democratic republic that that you know that he has to actually work within well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Okay. <laughs> uh, so a private organization thinks that it's responsible to force behavior? Yes. I mean, the whole – he spoke about that in a, in a forum about how corporations have to start getting – this is the ESG uh, yep. the whole conversation. We have to be – uh, all into equity and social justice and and environmental stuff. They, it is now not the job of your government or form of government. It's and remember, democratic republics or democracy. It's it's messy, right? It's far easier if you can be totalitarian, uh, and that's what the CEO well, says. Could you perceive a free thinker like you and me, maybe as? Messy, or maybe oh. some other hosts. Because uh, I actually, you know, I, I don't always agree. You and you know, I don't always agree with Tucker. I think he's wrong yes, on I Ukraine. Do. Yes, yep. uh, but I, 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 I like ninety-five percent of what he says. And but, but if I understand Tucker, he doesn't. I don't think he plays the by the 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 media's rules all the time, does he? So no, he doesn't. So RFK Jr. running for president, Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. running for president against Biden on the Democrat side, called out. The the, the 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 Tucker had done a story about the vaccines and how the, the 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 big pharma is trying to tell you everything's fine, nothing to see here, folks. But there's some real issues. And RFK Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. has said he believes that's part of why he's why Tucker was given the boot because he's really shaken up some very powerful corporations and their profit margins. Uh, and then you have uh, how in what we just played at the beginning of the segment about the uh, or in the last segment about the. Uh, Tucker Carlson's statement about collusion between large corporations, media, the issues that they want you to hear versus what they don't want you to hear starts to make sense. Well, there was an announcement uh, back in just – I would say it was a month or two ago. It's a coincidence, I'm sure, though. Oh, pure coincidence. BlackRock. Okay, so if you buy – if you're a big uh, company like this and you're just buying up stock, uh, you have to uh, submit certain filings with the SEC. Uh, BlackRock had filed a form with the SEC disclosing ownership of four forty-five point seven four million shares of Fox Corporation Class A stock. This represents fifteen point one percent of the company. So when you hit certain thresholds, you got to let people know that you're now over fifteen percent owner in Fox. And so Fox Corporation Class A stock, BlackRock has now made an investment in the previous filing at the end of or dated on January 27th of last year, they um, they were about 12% of uh, of the 
uh, owners, you know, of stock of the company that they had. So they went up. Uh, they went up a little bit more, and then finally they're over fifteen percent now. And what were their words? Uh, voluntary change, or was it kind of forced? You force. have to force change or force uh, behavior. Um, what did what did the CEO of BlackRock say? Let's say okay. So they just they just acquired recently over fifteen percent of the stock share. We played that the kids might want to sell this once old man ninety two year old Rupert goes away. And what did the CEO Larry Fink say? Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Force mm. behavior. Does that go with the U.S. Constitution uh, or natural law or our founding fathers? So I'm going to tell you, you got to keep an eye on this, right? I mean, I think that what's going to happen here is that this move that they've made for a myriad of reasons, and I think the, I, I just don't believe in these kind of wild coincidences that BlackRock has just increased its investment in Fox, and it comes right at a time where someone who calls out companies exactly like BlackRock, that he is summarily let go. I, I kind of like talk radio where we have the smartest listeners. People get – not everybody agrees. We have discussion. You know, you and I don't always agree. We've yeah. gone to fisticuffs off, <laughs> off, the, off the air a couple times. But it's hey – Just because you, you don't agree with me, you, you do so better – you do so much better if you just agree with me doesn't that make us better when we don't 100%, agree? Absolutely. And, that, and that's, the, that's the free market of ideas that, that some don't want. And it is that – slouching towards Gomorrah, as uh, Robert Bork said in his book, and it's what we cannot let happen, where there is no debate. There are no free market of ideas. You can't have an open discussion about different ideas. That That is what the leftists have always wanted. They've always wanted that to be. If you read the, if you read the regime media, it's always a narrative that you can't even spot with common sense. So, look, folks, a lot to talk about today. We will have a lot to talk with you tomorrow. Uh, So you're going to want to join us again. Keep your hands up, chins down, eyes forward. See you tomorrow. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.